Thank you for joining us for another lesson from God's Word. The West Huntsville Church of Christ at Providence is located at 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. Anytime you're in the Huntsville area, we hope you'll stop in and be part of our worship. Sunday morning worship is at 9 o'clock, with Bible class immediately following. Sunday evening worship is at 5. Midweek Bible study is held Wednesdays at 7. Me and BC, we have this worked out with the, with the veil anyway. So I can sense everyone is breathlessly awaiting to begin class this morning, and so we will. Uh, this morning, we're going to be, again, covering another aspect of David's life. We're going to be talking about David as a friend and uh, the committed heart that he had. If you would, would you turn your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 18? Uh, that is where we're going to start this morning. This is a subject about David that we could spend more than just one class talking about. When you study the life of David, David had a lot of very good friends uh, in his life. Um, we won't have time, at least in today's class, uh, to talk about Nathan the prophet. If you talk about someone that would be a friend of David, he would be one who would stand out uh, with him. and We could learn things from Nathan uh, that would help us in being friends to each other and what that means. Um, Nathan was a friend who stood by David. He was not afraid to go to David and confront him when he was wrong and when changes needed to be made or to share bad news with David. Um, you think about David's mighty men that he had who were so loyal to him, particularly when Absalom rebelled against David and David had to flee the palace. And these mighty men were out there to join David, remembering the times that they had shared formerly in their lives. And we're willing to stand by David in a very trying time in his life. It's a good example of friendship. Or I could go in that same time period where I could look at one of his counselors by the name of Ahithophel as a negative example of what a friend should be and how he betrayed David and allied himself with Absalom. That'd be a lot of good stuff to get into. But when you talk about friendship and you talk about David, you have to talk about Jonathan, and we're not getting out of this class without talking about Jonathan. And so that's what we're going to start here. So when you think of the Bible and you think of friendship, there's examples that come to mind. Like in the Old Testament, I would think, well, Elijah and Elisha, they kind of had a friendship there, a mentorship there that was close. Or you think about Jesus with his disciples, uh, with John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, would be another example for that. But when it comes to the Bible and you think of friendship, outside of Jesus Christ himself, no greater friendship example could you come up with, I think, than Jonathan and David. I think he would be the first thing that we would think of on that subject. So before we get into a detailed look at this, I want to throw a question out to everybody. I know that uh, we have Bible students in here and that people are familiar with that relationship and the story of Jonathan and David. Why do you think that Jonathan and David made such good friends? What was it about both of them? You say, Ben, you're the teacher. You're supposed to tell us. Well, I'll get to that. But there's diff different answers and different ideas behind that. Anyone have uh, any thoughts on that? Yeah. Okay, their souls loved each other. That's what Jerry said. Yes, Bill. Yes. 
Right. Okay, so Bill's pointing out they shared the commonality of their love for God and uh, for his cause and being soldiers uh, together and going through battles together, too, builds that up. Anyone else want to share something? Okay, they were close in age. Hmm? I thought I saw a hand go up here. Did anyone raise a hand? Because you're scratching an ear or something. Okay, then. So, yes, uh, all those things, I believe, are true uh, on this. So, I want to start off with the first mention of them together in this passage, uh, 18, 1 through 4. Let's read it, and then I'll make some observations and contribute some of my own thoughts uh, to this as well. So, this is David. Now, realize in chapter 17, David has just fought Goliath and killed him. Okay, so, when he had finished speaking to Saul... The soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Saul took him that day and would not let him go home to his father's house any more. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul, and David took off the robe that was on him and gave it to David with his armor, even to his sword and his bow and his belt. It's very remarkable. So in this Class, I know we've been talking about David. I'm going to put a particular focus on Jonathan in this. Um, Jonathan is a very interesting person to study in his own right from Scripture. But needless to say, Jonathan and David were a lot alike, so what we can say about Jonathan would apply to David um, as well there. So my thoughts about this, and there's a little bit of speculation that has to be involved in this, um, but um, we do know about Jonathan earlier. As was pointed out, Jonathan was a great warrior himself. Uh, he fought valiantly in the battles. You can go back, I think, chapter 15 in 1 Samuel and some other instances where that's the case. Uh, of course, David would have shared that mentality too. One thing that's very interesting, when you read in chapter 17 about the, the fight with Goliath, remember, Goliath was challenging anyone to come and fight him, right? Nobody would do it, but David would come up there and do it. And we made the remark when we were looking at that chapter, of course, Saul himself should have been the one to go fight against Goliath. He could have had that same mentality uh, as well. I also wanted to point out, though, it is interesting that you don't hear about Jonathan in that chapter going to fight against Goliath. I don't know the reason particularly why for that. Maybe he was absent. Maybe Saul would not let him do that, or maybe, and I guess this is possible, that maybe he had a lack of courage to fight Goliath. Okay. It does seem that Jonathan was there, though, based on chapter 18. So, it's true in life when we make friends, we, we make friends with people that we see similar qualities in ourselves with, right? Sure. Oh, we share this, this same way of thinking. We share these same beliefs. We share these ideas. That's true, and that's true about both of these men, but something else too. Is it not true that we tend to draw ourselves to and attach ourselves to friends which we see in them qualities that we ourselves are lacking? We see in themselves a better maybe version of ourselves or an ideal where, hey, I want to be like that. And if I can attach myself and make a friendship with that person, be a part of their lives, that can help me build that quality in myself as well. I think that's possible with Jonathan. I really do in that. Um, 
This scene in, in verse 4, Jonathan takes his robe off that's on him. He gives it to David with his armor, stuff he wore as a soldier. And uh, his bow and his belt, he makes this covenant with David. Um, is a very interesting scene. It's, it's one verse, so it's easy to just skip over it and not really think about it so much. Well, one of my favorite novels from historical times I like to read is one Mark Twain wrote. You might have heard of it called The Prince and the Pauper. And about these lookalikes, one was from a pauper background, the other was a prince. They switch places, and then they find out how different each other's lives are and so forth. But one thing that's very interesting about David and Jonathan is contrasting their backgrounds. They came from very different backgrounds, and yet they could be such good friends because of this common belief an ideal that they shared with each other. David's a shepherd boy. He comes from the sheepfolds, right? There. What about Jonathan? You know, we tend to think of Jonathan, and we say, oh, Jonathan was friends with David, and, and he gave him his robe. And we think about David, we typically think of him maybe as a king first and foremost, right? But he was a friend too, whereas Jonathan, we seem to think of a friend, right? Let me make a remark about verse 4 in here. This just isn't some guy named Jonathan. This is Prince Jonathan that we're talking about here. He's the guy that maybe, after Saul, would be next in line to be king. That's something to be, keep in mind about this, this bond that he and David have together. Um, and so he gives him his armor, his sword, and his belt. Yes, because he loved David. I think because that he was appreciative of what David did in fighting the Philistines and Goliath. I think it impressed him so much that he was willing to say, you know, hey, I want a friendship with this guy. I want to have a covenant with this guy because I appreciate so much what this guy did and what he has taught me by his example um, in so doing. So uh, so I'm, I'm pointing out that these two men, and we'll mention this later, they had a love for God that was the foundation of what their friendship was. They had great respect and admiration for each other and what each other stood for in it and what each of them was willing to sacrifice to keep that friendship going. Uh, so uh, yeah, they had great respect and admiration. Friendships need maintenance. You're going to keep a friendship, you have to keep it sustained, right? Jonathan and David were willing to do that to the best of their ability. They'd have limitations to that later. Uh, but that was the case. So, um, so let me ask, throw this question out there. So we see Jonathan and David in this friendship that they have with each other. Aren't we glad for good friends in our lives? Aren't we glad for the God that, that puts people in our lives that give us guidance, that are good examples for us that we learn from? Do you work on that yourself, being that to people around you? That I may be a part of this person's life, you know, to uh, strengthen them as a Christian, uh, to help them in their walk with God, those sorts of things. I, one of the things I want to point out as this goes on, and, and this will develop as this goes on in the later chapters, right? One thing you can see in there is God's hand is in this. Okay, and is in this, you know, David is going to be the next king. And with Jonathan being involved in this, God's hand is in this to preserve David's life his faith, and his loyalty. Because David's going to go through some trying times here um, in a little bit. So a person said, a good man is the best friend. 
and therefore soonest to be chosen, longest to be retained, and indeed never to be parted with, unless he ceases to be that for which he was chosen. Being the friends that they were, they saw the best in each other. And this is something that you have to think of for Jonathan, because remember, David's got a poorer background than he does. From a physical standpoint, there is little that David can give Jonathan in return. What Jonathan's doing with the armor and with the robe and the sword and everything. But he can give confidence. Uh, he can give love for God, love for life, friendship with each other. So, um, I was looking at an older commentary and, uh, sometimes it's interesting. Some people don't look at some of the older commentaries from the 18 or 1700s because they think they've got this newer stuff. Well, some of those guys were very great scholars in their own right. And uh, sometimes you can pull out a gem that people have forgotten about in there. This is something that Matthew Henry observed about this that I would have never thought of on myself. But just as their example is, and then for us to think about Christ and to think about the friend that he is to us, Matthew Henry made this observation on this verse. David is seen in Jonathan's clothes that we may take notice that he is Jonathan's second self. Our Lord Jesus Christ has thus showed his love to us that he stripped himself to clothe us, humbled himself to enrich us. Nay, he did more than Jonathan. Jesus clothed himself with our rags, whereas Jonathan did not put on David's. It was a very astute observation made from there. So things to pull from this is that uh, with us, we should seek friendship. We seek it from among those who are wise and those who are good. Friends are going to influence us. Let's make sure they influence us in a good and positive direction. We live and we strive to be worthy of that friendship and be the type of friend that you would want others to be to yourself. We're sincere and faithful uh, to our friend and that we value the friendship of Christ above all others. So... Oh, my mouth is getting a little dry. I've talked a little bit long on this. So anybody want to throw in a comment or an observation? Mm. Oh, you're talking about him being king? Yeah, I don't see any indication that he did. Yes. Right, so Glenn was pointing out here again the two stations of life they come. Now, now David you know, had been anointed as to be king already by Samuel. We don't know that Jonathan knew that. At this point. Yeah, I and mean, David may not have grasped a lot of that either um, in this. So, But any, anyway, yeah, it demonstrates the kind of person Jonathan is to be able to sacrifice and be able to do that. And I think David would have done the same for Jonathan, really, uh, as well if he had been in that position. The two men, to me, are a lot alike in there. So anyone else want to say something? Yes, Gene. Gene made the observation that friendship is a very valuable thing and we have to be careful how we treat and what we say uh, to our friends. Always wanting to encourage, not discourage, uh, wanting to do what's best for them in their lives and their walk with God. So, good observation. Let's continue on with chapter 19 now. We'll, we'll do this and uh, we'll move through this here. Verses 1 through 7. Uh, now, uh, Saul is uh, getting uh, jealous at this point of David. Very interesting with the father and the son after the battle with Goliath and David's victory. The two men have different, react to David very differently. It's interesting. You can see Saul being filled with jealousy because he knows the kingdom will be taken away from him and that he reacts that way to David. Meanwhile, Jonathan's impressed with David 
And uh, so, uh, and Jonathan is in the right in saying that. So verse 1, Saul spoke to Jonathan his son and to all the servants that they should kill David. But Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted greatly in David. Jonathan told David, saying, My father Saul seeks to kill you. Therefore, please be on your guard until morning and stay in a secret place and hide. And I will go out and stand beside my father in the field where you are, and I will speak with my father about you, that what I observe I will tell you. Thus Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul his father and said to him, Let not the king sin against his servant, against David, because he has not sinned against you, and because his works have been very good toward you. For he took his life in his hands and killed the Philistine, and the Lord brought about a great deliverance for all Israel. You saw it and rejoiced. Why then will you sin against innocent blood to kill David without a cause? So Saul heeded the voice of Jonathan, and Saul swore, as the Lord lives, he shall not be killed. Then Jonathan called David, and Jonathan told him all these things. So Jonathan brought David to Saul, and he was in his presence as in times past. Uh, Saul's against David, but Jonathan continued to believe in David. Right, this shows you the type of person Jonathan was, even the way he interacts with his father. He thinks the best of his father, right? He thinks, I can, I can sway my father away from this wrong type of thinking, and temporarily he does do that uh, here. So, uh, so he believes in David. He is uh, committed to David enough. He develops a plan by which he can help David with his problem. Jonathan has no self-interest uh, here. He told the truth. He concealed nothing, and it happened to turn his father back for a time. But the emphasis on there is for a time. It's not going to be able to be sustained. Now, let's get to our major part of the reading, and this will be chapter 20 um, here. So I want to start first reading verses 1 through 11. Uh, So again... uh, uh, David is afraid for Saul. Saul is after his life. So David flees to Naamath and Ramah and went and said to Jonathan, What have I done? What is my iniquity? And what is my sin before your father that he seeks my life? Jonathan said to him, By no means you shall not die. Indeed, my father will do nothing, either great or small, without first telling me. Why should my father hide this thing from me? It is not so. Again, we see Jonathan thinking the best of his family, not just his friends. But such is not the case here. Verse 3, David took an oath again and said, Your father certainly knows that I have found favor in your eyes, and he has said, Do not let Jonathan know this, lest he be grieved. But truly as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, there is but a step between me and death. So Jonathan said to David, Whatever you yourself desire, I will do it for you. David said to Jonathan, Indeed, tomorrow is the new moon, and I should not fail to sit with the king to eat. But let me go, that I may hide in the field until the third day at evening. If your father misses me at all, then say, David earnestly asked permission of me that he might run over to Bethlehem, his city, for there is a yearly sacrifice there for all the family. If he says thus it is well, your servant will be safe. But if he is very angry, make sure that evil is determined by him. Therefore you shall deal kindly with your servant, for you have brought your servant into a covenant of the Lord with you. Nevertheless, if there is iniquity in me, kill me yourself, for why should you bring me to your father? Jonathan said, Far be it from you, for I know certainly that evil was determined by my father to come upon you. If I knew certainly that evil was determined by my father to come upon you, then would I not tell you? David said to Jonathan, Who will tell me, or what if your father answers you roughly? Jonathan said to David, come, let us go out into the field. So both of them went out into the field, and we'll continue on from there. So you can see the amount of trust that these two men had in each other, the type of friends they were. They were willing to tell all that was in their hearts. This was even about even Jonathan's family um, in there. 
They need us. David needs assurances. He goes to Jonathan with anxious consultations. His good is spoken of as evil. You can see how that affects David. That's a different type of, of danger than David has been used to in fighting. We see his courage, right? Going against Goliath, fighting these Philistines in battle. But here we have his reputation. He is being attacked needlessly. What Jonathan had said to Saul was right. David done nothing but good to Saul. Uh, in their, John, David wasn't trying to snatch and take the throne by force away from Saul. But Saul was jealous of him. So you can see... When we're in situations where people speak evil of us for no good reason, you can start doubting yourself on things. You can see David kind of doing this here, right? What will I do now? How can this work? Is it possible I am wrong? Tell me so. You know, he couldn't see it, and he told Jonathan that if there had been anything wrong, Jonathan, why don't you just kill me yourself rather than taking me to your father? Jonathan knew that wasn't the case, so... They develop a plan then uh, to execute. Let's go to verse 12. We'll read through 23. Jonathan said to David, The Lord God of Israel is witness. When I have sounded out my father sometime tomorrow or the third day, and indeed there is good toward David, and I do not send to you and tell you, may the Lord do so and much more to Jonathan. But if it pleases my father to do you evil, then I will report it to you and send you away that you may go in safety, and the Lord be with you as he has been with my father. You shall not only show kindness, show me the kindness of the Lord while I still live, that I may not die, but you shall not cut off your kindness from my house forever. No, not when the Lord has cut off every one of the enemies of David from the face of the earth. Jonathan is so confident and believes in David, what God has said about David. He's just, David's questioning, you know, his future and everything, and, and Jonathan's just stating it as it's going to happen. Right there. He's going to conquer his enemies. So Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, Let the Lord require it at the hand of David's enemies. Jonathan again caused David to vow because he loved him, for he loved him as he loved his own soul. And David said, Jonathan said to David, Tomorrow is the new moon, and you will be missed, because your seat will be empty. And when you have stayed three days, go down quickly and come to the place where you hid on the day of the deed and remain by the stone easel. Then I will shoot three arrows to the side as though I shot at a target. And there I will send a lad saying, go find the arrows. If I expressly say to the lad, look, the arrows are on this side of you, get them and come. And as the Lord lives, there is safety for you and no harm. But if I say thus to the young man, look, the arrows are beyond you, go your way, for the Lord has sent you away. And as for the matter of which you and I have spoken of, indeed the Lord be between you and me forever. Jonathan is a man, has God's heart. After, after God's own heart himself, really. And it allows him to see things that his father cannot see and others may not be able to see. He sees God's protection on David. Now he's willing to self-sacrifice. And it's interesting, he knows that David's going to have the kingdom and he's willing to acquiesce that to him. In fact, I don't think it's stated here. Um, after this chapter, they will meet one more time after this. But Jonathan made ex- expressly said that David would be king and Jonathan himself wished to be serving beside him, right under him. Uh, that did not take place because Jonathan was killed in battle. Uh, but uh, um, it's something I believe Jonathan fully intended to be the case uh, with him. So his friendship with David was more precious than a kingdom to him. And then, and uh, I was reading somebody made an observation I thought was astute that we can apply to ourselves. You know, we're friends with Jesus Christ as well, right? And this friendship that Jonathan had with David 
He knew that he would be king, and Jonathan was willing to surrender all to the king. Everything. What about our relationship with Jesus Christ? You know, he is our king. Have we surrendered our all to him? Are we in covenant with him? And are we keeping that covenant with him? All right, so let's continue with the rest of this chapter. So this is a long section, but I'm going to start in verse 24 and read to the end of it. David hid in the field, and when the new moon had come, the king sat down to eat the feast. Now the king sat on his seat as at other times, on a seat by the wall. And Jonathan arose, and Abner sat by Saul's side, but David's place was empty. Nevertheless, Saul did not say anything that day, for he thought something has happened to him. He is unclean. Surely he is unclean. And it happened the next day, the second day of the month, that David's place was empty. And Saul said to Jonathan, his son, Why has the son of Jesse not come to eat, either yesterday or today? So Jonathan answered Saul, David earnestly has permission of me to go to Bethlehem. And he said, please let me go for our family has a sacrifice in the city. My brother has commanded me to be there. And now if I've found favor in your eyes, please let me get away and see my brothers. Therefore, he has not come to the king's table. Then Saul's anger was aroused against Jonathan. And he said to him, you son of a perverse, rebellious woman. Do I not know that you have chosen the son of Jesse to your own shame, the shame of your mother's nakedness? For as long as the son of Jesse lives on the earth, you shall not be established, nor your kingdom. Now therefore, send and bring him to me, for he shall surely die. Jonathan answered Saul, his father, and said to him, Why should he be killed? What has he done? Then Saul cast a spear at him to kill him, by which Jonathan knew that it was determined by his father to kill David. So Jonathan arose from the table in fierce anger, and ate no food the second day of the month, for he was grieved for David, because his father had treated him shamefully. So it was in the morning that Jonathan went out into the field at the time appointed with David, and a little lad was with them. Then he said to his lad, Now run, find the arrows which I shoot. As the lad ran, he shot an arrow beyond him. When the lad had come to the place where the arrows was which Jonathan had shot, Jonathan cried out after the lad and said, Is not the arrow beyond you? Jonathan cried out after the lad, Make haste, hurry, do not delay. So Jonathan's lad gathered up the arrows and came back to his master, but the lad did not know anything. Only Jonathan and David knew of the matter. Then Jonathan gave his weapons to his lad and said to him, Go, carry them to the city. As soon as the lad had gone, David arose from a place toward the south, fell on his face to the ground, and bowed down three times. And they kissed one another, and they wept together, but David more so. And Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, for we have both sworn in the name of the Lord, saying, May the Lord be between you and me and between your descendants and my descendants forever. So he arose and departed, and Jonathan went into the city. You know, we have to be careful of how we are as parents and the influence we have on our children. But isn't it true that in life sometimes you run into cases where a son and a father are so distinctly different from each other? In the way that they answered, I, I look at this and say, how is Jonathan Saul's son? And as they react so differently. And I guess Saul probably had had good qualities, I'm sure, early in his life, so forth, but he's changed. One thing that Jonathan demonstrates in, with what he's done with David is that Jonathan is a man of his word. He's good with it. He told David this is what he was going to do. He set it up, and this is the way it was going to be, and he followed through with it. That was true of their friendship. The friendship that they had and the, the way that they saw each other, it transcended their stations in life. It transitioned there from time, from distance, and even death. As we went over last week on Mephibosheth and the kindness that David 
treated him with, uh, wanting to do something in memory of his father and fulfill the promises that David had made to him. But Jonathan was that type of person. He made promises and kept them with David um, as well. So David was the same even after Jonathan's life was over. Um, and you can see with Jonathan, I mean, the way his father reacts. I can't imagine the emotions that had to be going through him. I mean, you read about that second day, and uh, he ate no food at all. He was so grieved about it. This loyalty he's sure that he had to his father, and yet the loyalty he had to David and their conflict with each other. I hate that when that happens in life. You want to get me stressed? Do that with me. Sometimes. What did it come down to? Dave, uh, Jonathan had to choose that what was right. And, it, and he went with it. He knew his father was in the wrong. And that bothered him uh, as well. Um, or he said, David, his, he recognizes his father had treated David shamefully. Um, he was under pressure to reject David as king. Even though God had anointed him as king, he did not do so. That's an example for us today as well with Jesus Christ. Jonathan, as a friend, warned David of danger from a physical standpoint. That's something we should imitate as well. I mean, we would want to do that, right, if we knew somebody's life was in danger. From a spiritual application, would we do that if we know somebody's soul is in danger? Another thing to, to think about from there. Uh, yes, Glenn. Mm. Yes. Right. I would say absolutely, uh, pretty, pretty close to absolutely, at least in there. Yes, because that's one was one of the Ten Commandments: honor your father and mother, uh, and a. Uh, but there's caveats to that. Of course, God is a higher authority than parental authority as well. And when your parents are not in the right, when they want to make you do evil, you have to choose God first. Uh, mm, that's an astute observation, right there. And David showed, uh, Jonathan showed that with Saul. Isn't that right? You, you don't honor your father and mother by um, uh, joining in with them with their evil, or, you know, you do that by telling them the truth of being kind. Uh, and that's true. I mean, you could see that with you know, people in the church as well that know about honoring father and mother and so latched on to that that they may have a hard time separating that from following God and so when their parents are in the wrong on something. And some of the parents rather than God. That can happen in there. So that was another point when I would want to have gone there, but thanks for bringing it up. So, so Jesus said, he who loves father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. Jonathan is showing that same attitude in how he treats David and in doing that which is right. So a, um, a good points there, Glenn. I also want to point out that we think, when we read this, we think of David's life being in danger, right? And that Jonathan sees this need and he goes to meet that need. Well, that's true. But as this example shows here, this account says, Jonathan's putting his own life on the line by meeting David in a secret place. I mean, that's the kind of uh, danger that he was in. Um, and he was willing to put himself in that to make sure and see that David was um, taken care of. It's no wonder that David had such a... Uh, strong appreciation for him. Jonathan, uh, excuse me, Jonathan. John chapter 15, verse 13. Jesus emanates this when he says, Greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Jonathan exemplified that himself as well in how he treated David. So, 
We get to this scene, uh, this uh, very emotional scene. They had to part, and so we see them weeping. There's crying involved because we're looking at two brave and noble men here. It's all right for men to cry, and this was an instance where that should be the case because things are not going to be the same for them at this point. From this point on, David now has to live as an outlaw. Jonathan is going to have to deal with that. He is going to watch his father come to ruin um, at that. So you can see the concern they have for one another's welfare. But with all of that, uh, Jehovah would still be with both of them. So some observations to make about Jonathan, and then I'll go to the New Testament for a minute when we close the class. Jonathan demonstrates some things. He demonstrates faith in God. Um, He stayed with it. He he, uh, shows faith in David and the commitment he had to him. He shows faith in himself. Uh, Jonathan had to be very strong to withstand the pressures that he would have been under to turn against David. And of course, where did that come from? Where did that strength come from for him to do that? It comes from God. Uh, So are we when we have to take on tasks that are, are difficult or... Uh, that are stressing to us. He demonstrated faith in Saul, as I pointed out, the way that he talked with his father. He gave his father every chance that he could uh, to do what was right. Um, Jonathan demonstrated as a friend commitment. Uh, He demonstrated commitment to that which was right. He chose that which was right, uh, even though that might have been looked at as a negatively on him, even though he had outside pressures to do that. He demonstrated commitment to friendship and what friendship ought to be. And he demonstrated commitment to a future. He knew what the future was. He knew what God's will in the matter was, and he was willing to uh, act in such a manner to bring that about. Of course, Jonathan, as well as David, demonstrated courage. And he demonstrated courage instead of fear. Uh, There are many lesser men that would have crumbled under the pressures that Jonathan was under in that. He also demonstrated courage in spite of fear in that, uh, and that from his father uh, and how he had to deal with his father and be around him. Again, I can't imagine really what that would have been like on his side uh, to do that, but anyway. So I'll pause right here to make one other big point before we get into that. Are there any other comments or contributions that anyone wants to make? We've had some good ones. I'd like to hear some more. Don. Mm. Very good, yeah. Uh, so Don is making the point that Jonathan showed love for Saul in that he prevented Saul from doing something that would have been wrong in that, and standing up to his father. And says, uh, that would have been an unloving thing for him to do with his father to allow him to do that. That's a good point, Don. Yes, Gene, were you going to say something? Okay, I've never, I've never seen the movie, but I know of it. Uh, Gene is bringing up, I think it was a made-for-TV movie years ago called Brian's Song. It's about a couple of football players for the Chicago Bears. Brian Piccolo and Gail Sayers is the other one, right? And Brian had cancer, if I'm correct, right? He died from that. It's about the friendship a white football player and a black football player had with each other. And as Brian was struggling with cancer, and he died from that, I believe Gail Sayers said that Brian was the bravest man that he ever knew. I think it's a big point in life. See the friendship that they had there with each other and a, a, a more modern-day example of such friendship. Anyone else? Yes, Dina? Mm-hmm. Yes. 
right. So yeah, so Dina's making the point, by this time we know that Jonathan knows David's going to ascend the throne. It's not going to belong to him. But yet he's still willing to sacrifice that uh, for David and shows the committed friendship that Jonathan and David had with each other and Jonathan's commitment to do what was right. Great points. Anyone else? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It had to be that case. Glenn's making the point. Somebody put those values into Jonathan, and sometimes parents who aren't even Christians will put into certain Christian values into their uh, kids as well. And maybe this was the case. Maybe just Saul turned away later in life. Okay. The idea that we should follow what is true and right uh, instilled. So. Anyone else? Okay, then. The last group of points I want to make from this is I want to go to the New Testament for a minute, and think about certain passages you might not think of. and But passages that we are told that are given to us for us to, to follow and to command, and I want to look at them from this standpoint. They're all famous. Did Jonathan demonstrate these type of characteristics in his friendship with David? Turn to 1 Corinthians 13, if you would. This is one of the most famous passages in all of the Bible. This is called the chapter of love. Paul's describing that, and in the middle of it, he gets into some descriptive and practical things about love. So let's start with verse 4 in this. I want to show that Jonathan's actions not only distributed courage, commitment, and uh, the ability to do what is right, it also demonstrated love as well. Love suffers long and is kind. Is that true about Jonathan? The way he interacted with David, was he kind to him? Yes. Love does not envy That was true about Jonathan. He did not envy David, especially like his father did, and he was under a lot of pressure to do the same. Love does not parade itself. Love is not puffed up. Love does not behave rudely. Jonathan was not rude to David in any way. Love does not seek its own. Jonathan was very self-sacrificial to David. Love is not provoked. Love thinks no evil. That means love keeps no account of evil. Jonathan thought the best of David. Always. Love is not, oh, love does not rejoice in iniquity, but love rejoices in truth. Was that not true of Jonathan? Was he not greatly distressed by the way that Saul treated David? Was he committed to doing what was right? Yes. Love bears all things. Jonathan was willing to bear a lot. Love believes all things. Jonathan believed in David. Love hopes all things. Jonathan was looking towards the future with his descendants. Love endures all things. Jonathan endured a lot with David. It's part of the reason they were so committed to each other, I think. Love never fails. Jonathan didn't fail, David. Good timing. Next passage I want to look at is Matthew 22. This is in the crucifixion week, and uh, this is the day of questions in Jerusalem that uh, Jesus is getting. But this he gets a very good question here in uh, verse 35. I'll read to verse 40. Then one of them, a liar, asked him a question, testing him, saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment of the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. 
And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. David was in need. He was neighbor to Jonathan. Did Jonathan not love him as himself? Absolutely. How he was friends with him. But check verse 37 out here too. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Was that not true of both Jonathan and David? Yes, it was. Was it the centerpiece of the friendship that they had? Yes, it was. We talked about, and I think Bill kind of alluded to this, or somebody did here in this, that their souls, it says, were knit to one another, right? Chained to one another, you can think of it that way. Well, yeah, they were that way. They were that way also because both of them were knit to God, first and foremost. In that. And it's true in life that when it comes to relationships, the best relationships that one can have are relationships that are founded with God as the centerpiece between them, right? You hear that oftentimes in sermons and classes when they talk about marriage, right, between husband and wife, that being centered on God as the foundation. That doesn't just apply singly to that, though. It should apply to any relationship that we have, to father and child. And that's friend to friend as well, the best friendships that one has. True friendship, want to be a good friend. and Strive to have your friendship committed to Jesus as the centerpiece. Both of you are committed to doing what is right, committed to him, and committed him in watching over that. I think that these commands that Jesus says both describe the two men there. And finally, let's go to Luke 10. It's the other one I want to go to. Verses 30 through 37. So here Jesus gives my second favorite parable after the parable of the prodigal son. This is the parable of the good Samaritan. Um, Let me start reading verse uh, 30 here. So this was an answer to the question, who is my neighbor? Jesus answered and said... A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he answered, He who showed mercy on him. Jesus said to him, Go and do that likewise. Okay. When you see this, shockingly to his audience, the hero of the parable turns out to be a Samaritan. He was willing to do that with the Jew. Samaritans and Jews were enemies. This would have been the person I would have least thought would have done that for the Jew, right? Think about Jonathan and David. Did Jonathan not take good care of David? Did he not look out for David? Made sure he was all right? Yes, he did. And the thing is, is that based on the circumstances between the two of them, knowing that David was going to take the kingship away from Saul's family, there was every reason for Jonathan and David to have been enemies, bitter enemies with each other. Instead, they were very good friends. And the, the, the friendship and the love for, they had for each other superseded that. And when David was in time of need, Jonathan was willing to respond. 
And that's something that we should imitate. What I'm saying is that Jonathan and David himself as well, but in what they had, lived out timeless eternal principles that are in the New Testament that we take into our own lives. One, in our love for God, for Christ, but also in the way that we treat each other and treat others that are around us. Like I said, my last point, the two men, as far as I know, saw each other only one more time after this. Later, Jonathan was killed in battle with his father, with the Philistines. Second Samuel chapter 1, you can read there about David mourning for Saul and for Jonathan, both in there. David missed Jonathan greatly. I think he did probably the rest of his life. Um, and you know, this seems sad. That might seem tragic, leaving it there. But they were committed to God, and I fully believe that they're together now. And I'm going to meet them, and I think that's an example to us. But their friendship, like all earthly friendships that we have, was imperfect. They, can't, they could not be around each other all the time. There were limitations to that, right? We think about Jesus Christ and the friend that he is. That's not true of our friendship with him. Jesus is with us all the time. And we can rely on that. And with that said, class is dismissed. See you next week. We will be going over David the sinner and the contrite heart that he had. We will be going over David and Bathsheba. So we'll see you then. We hope you have enjoyed this lesson from God's Word. If you would like to continue your study of New Testament Christianity, please send your name and address to World Bible School, West Huntsville Church of Christ, 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. Or if you prefer, send your name and address by email to wbs at westhuntsville.org.